Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show. Welcome to the show. This week, we're starting a new series on becoming a director. Yeah, the first question is, why would you want to do that? Yeah, I honestly have no idea. No, I have <laughs> I have plenty of ideas on why you might want to become a director, uh, but hopefully you've already answered those questions, because that's not really what we're planning to cover. There's well, a we, lot of different reasons why you might want to become a director, but I mean, I think you have to answer that question for yourself. Yeah, I think we touched upon some of our own reasons why we became directors. Yeah. In the past, such as just, you know, going through several productions and thinking, oh, this is something I could do. Yeah, or something I have to do. I almost feel like becoming a director, it's either you feel you have to do it or you don't. It's like a calling? Kind of, in a way. I mean, okay. I, I, that's how I felt about it. I just, I felt like I, I really, I need to direct. Wow, how existential. Yeah, well, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so once you have that decision, once you've finished your existential crisis and determine that you need to direct, the first thing you need to do is determine where you might want to direct and then find out what that theater has as their requirements to become a director. Yeah, unfortunately, they won't just let anybody do it. Yeah, I mean, some theaters are a little more open than others. I know when I put in to direct at, uh, I believe it was King of Prussia Players, I think their only requirement was that you just kind of be a director. And I had already directed... Oh, somewhere elsewhere. else? Yeah, I think I had only... I think when I directed at King of Prussia Players, I believe that was my second show. So all I had done was the one show at Forge. Right. And I put in for that and they said, sure. So hmm. they they did not have me have any other requirements. That's interesting because I think I've heard of other people who've had difficulty who had directed somewhere else mm -hmm. trying to become a director at a different theater. It's kind of like their experience didn't yeah. matter. Yeah, sometimes it's like that. I mean, I know Barley Sheaf had me uh, fulfill their requirements. So I did have to... Assistant? Did I have to assist? No, actually, I want to say they approved me to direct there, but I was still required to have a consulting director Okay. for my first show. And that was a friend who I had already directed, and she knew that there really wasn't much that she'd have to do. <laughs> so I think they have like certain... A lot of theaters, if you've directed somewhere else, will cut you a little slack and not necessarily have you fill those requirements at their own location. I think it depends. I mean, yeah. maybe if they can get good references... From mm -hmm. people, uh, other theaters that you've worked at before, people put in a good word in for you. Maybe that helps. I yeah. Don't know. Or they just have a, doesn't matter. You got to go through these hoops. Yeah. I mean, a I, it, it makes a certain amount of sense because they're putting a lot of faith in you. And Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're relying on, you know, they're relying on quality shows for their reputation, for their income. And as I said at the beginning, they're not just going to let anybody do it. So they have right. to have a certain amount of confidence that you're capable of doing it and you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I've, I've seen circumstances where theaters have gotten burned, where mm -hmm. they have given a show to somebody and that somebody has said, you know what? I didn't get who I needed at auditions. I'm out. Wow. Yeah. I, I have seen that happen. <laughs> so I, I can fully understand why theaters would want to make sure that, that they have somebody who's going to be reliable, who's going to stick with the show, no matter what happens, that they'll be able to pull in talent if they don't get it at the auditions that if the rights get pulled for their show, maybe that director will have a backup. There's a lot relying on the directors, so it makes sense that they want to vet that. 
Yeah, the director is really the showrunner, as it were. I mean, they don't yeah. do everything. They maybe, you know, there's producers and uh, other folks who handle a lot of the background, uh, behind-the-scenes logistics as mm -hmm. far as the operation of getting the production up and running and selling tickets and all that kind of stuff. Directors don't necessarily have to get involved at that level, but... As far as just controlling the content of the production and what goes into it from all different perspectives, from the acting, from the set, from the lighting, from the props, from the costumes, from the sound, you know, they ultimately have to be responsible for all that. Yeah, and we'll get into that a bit more in the next episode because we'll start talking about uh, the, the next episode is putting the pieces together so that you'll know part of, if you're not already familiar with it, you'll learn what is involved in getting a show off the ground. And it is a lot and it can be overwhelming at times. And so before you step up to direct, make sure that this is something that you really want to do because it's going to require some work for sure. And I think if you've been involved with other productions, you kind of have a pretty good idea if you're paying enough attention as mm -hmm. far as what the director has to deal with. And yeah, you get a sense of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as we kind of alluded to, the theater has certain requirements for applying to become a director typically. Yeah, a lot of them will require you to assist it, direct another show, or possibly direct like one of their special season shows or something like that. I mean, they'll sometimes look and go, okay, well, this person has directed at other theaters. They've been directing for five years, so we can give them some sort of preliminary approval. But other times they're like, no, you, you have to direct, or excuse me, you have to assist and direct one of the shows in this season. And that I don't know. I mean, I, I, I did that at uh, Forge Theater. I assistant directed there. And to me, it's a hugely different experience than directing. And I don't know. I guess it depends on the director you're working with, how much they're going to give you their conceptions of how directing should work, if they're going to be teaching you or if they're just kind of taking you along, uh, how much input they're going to want, because some directors don't really like working with assistant directors, in hmm. which case, hopefully they wouldn't agree to do that. But yeah, in my case, I think it was, I probably had a certain amount of arrogance back then where I'm like, I already know what I'm doing. So I think I stepped into the assistant directing more like, I'm just fulfilling a requirement now. Oh, so the show you assistant directed was uh, Hotline, right? No. No? No, that was, that was directing. I was still not a, technically approved at that point, which is why uh, I, I directed that one act. So that was a Hotline, which was, uh, we talked about that. I think in our very first episode, uh, that was where Jim and I met. That was a uh, one act that was part of a greater show called Death Defying Acts. So there was an overall director for Death Defying Acts, but then there were three separate directors for each one act. And I was given free reign with Hotline. There, there yeah, was no right. There was, as I recall, there was nobody overseeing you in no. any of the rehearsals as no. far as directing goes. No, so that wasn't really assistant directing, but it was before that I, I assistant directed uh, for Tally's Folly. It's a uh, two-person show. Oh, I'm forgetting the author right now, but it's a very well-known author. Um, slipping my mind at the moment. I'm sure there are people out there shouting out the name right now, <laughs> if anybody's actually listening. Um, but yeah, so I assistant directed that. And like I said, I think I stepped into that going, okay, I'm going to fulfill my requirement now. Um, and I don't remember a lot of what happened as far as me assistant directing that show goes. And it kind of makes sense now that I'm talking this out. I was not approved after that. I had assistant directed that show. I directed a uh, an improv night there, mm -hmm. uh, and then I put in to. How, how do you direct an improv night? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> you have to organize everything. I was running the improv group there, 
Uh, and we had met like oh, okay. I don't know, it was me weekly or monthly. And then I said, hey, let's do a show. So I had to organize the whole show, how it was going to take place and all of, the, all of that sort of thing. Uh, and I hosted it as well. So that probably gained me more knowledge than the assistant directing did because it's just a two-person show. So it's not like, you know, the director's going to be like, why don't you take this group of actors over here and work on that scene while I'm doing this on stage? Because it's only two people. So yeah, it's a very small show. I'm sure the director of that show was doing his best to make sure that I had uh, knowledge of what I was doing and that sort of thing. But like I said, I was arrogant. Uh, I put into direct after that and was not approved. And then I got some sort of conditional approval, which is what led to Hotline. Hmm. And then after Hotline, I was fully approved. And then that was uh, getting away with murder from there. Right. Yeah, I uh, I started out assistant directing as well. Well, before that, mm-hmm. I actually had the opportunity to direct a staged reading at mm-hmm. uh, Playcrafters and Skipac. They were trying something, I guess, uh, for a time that they were kind of filling in between their full productions. They were just... It was kind of an idea, I guess, somebody had to just give, maybe just to give people an opportunity to try directing or right. other things. And uh, so I did uh, a stage reading of No Exit. Okay. It was still scripts in hand and everything like that, but kind of somewhat costumes, maybe minus, minor lighting, minimal lighting. Definitely wasn't trying to do it as a full production, but it kind of allowed me to focus on just the part of working with the actors. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. And... I found it to be a positive experience. I enjoyed doing it. Uh, I thought it turned out pretty well, given that we maybe only had three or four rehearsals. And did that give you directing knowledge, do you think? I think it just gave me more the experience of going through it myself. Right. I mean, as far as how to direct, I probably thought going into that that I had some sense of that from the productions that I had been involved with because mm-hmm. I probably had, I don't know, acted in maybe 10 shows up to that point. So do you think... In community theater, at least. Do you personally feel like... Just being in shows gives you some knowledge of directing? Yeah, I, I definitely think that because mm-hmm. you get a sense of the characters, the, the actors' drives, motivations, uh, blocking. You're just exposed to a lot of different aspects of it, and right. I I think it's probably pretty easy to pick up a sense of how to approach it or what to do just by from uh, going from that experience. So after the stage reading a couple months later, I decided, okay, um, I know these other plays are coming up, Village Players of Hapro, and I decided, hey, uh, would you be interested in... I contacted one of the directors. Would you be interested in having me as an assistant director for your production? Mm -hmm. They said yes. I came on board. That was more a matter of... The dynamic I think we had was... I I guess it wasn't really so much like a mentorship kind of an experience. Right. <laughs> I always like to say that being an assistant director is the best job in theater. <laughs> I think it's one of the easiest jobs in the yeah. theater, personally. <laughs> well, what I found from the experience was that I could focus on creative input. Right. Um, and this is a dynamic that I established later when I had assistant directors, mm-hmm. is that the director was kind of focused maybe more on certain aspects of the show, maybe the bigger picture of it. Right. You know, the pacing, the look of it, what's going on, the activity, the action, all that stuff. And that kind of frees up the assistant director to look at it from a different angle, different set of eyes, and maybe look for some nuances. Yeah, I've definitely, when I've worked with assistant directors, sometimes they'll zero in on something that I hadn't necessarily seen. Right. I mean, my personal way of directing that larger picture is to nitpick all the details and figuring, (laughs) all right, if I can get all of these details right, then the larger picture will come together. Yeah. And then I step back toward the end and go, okay, is the larger picture. 
But yeah, I, I think the assistant director can focus on those details that the director might miss. Right, because the director is also worried about how all the other pieces of the puzzle go together in the yeah. production. And mm-hmm. the assistant director is kind of freed up a little bit, or at least that's been my experience, yeah. freed up a little bit from some of those obligations and just can focus on uh, fine-tuning the, the little details in between everything else. Yeah. Lanford Wilson. Ah. That's the author of Tally's Folly. Who's heard of him? Come on. Yeah, Lanford. <laughs> he's, he's nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, assistant directing is pretty much as far as I'm aware, is a general requirement for getting into directing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think most theaters have that as, as a gateway. I know Barley Sheaf, and, and it's possible that other theaters work this way, uh, Barley Sheaf has a one-act festival every year, so another way for them to get uh, approval for directing is to direct a one-act there. Yeah, and Village Players has something very similar where mm-hmm. it's a separate requirement to direct your own one-act, uh, and they perform the one acts during one of the membership meetings. Okay, that's interesting. So you have to put your, together your own production, mm-hmm. separate from everything else going on, get your own cast together, pick your show, whatever the extent of the production that you have as far as a set, right. lighting costumes, any of that kind of stuff, which you're going to be limited somewhat because you have to usually work around an existing, an existing paying production, production sure. that's probably going to be in progress or they're rehearsing or building for it at the time Mm -hmm. so you have to work around that they actually have a specific requirement i think as far as well cast size i think you have to have at least four or five people Mm -hmm. and then one specific requirement they have is that it one of the people has to be somebody who has had no acting experience interesting yeah i mean i've ended up directing people with no acting experience before like a couple of times but that's interesting that they require They that. specifically require it. Huh. I wonder why that is. I, I guess they want to see what you can do with somebody who's just... They probably want to try to... The idea, I guess, is to try to just make sure that it's not just because you have a really talented cast. Right. kind of masking your deficiencies. Yeah. I guess I've been in a situation like that. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever had, like, an entire cast that's filled with such wonderful veterans that I don't have to do anything, but I've definitely had circumstances where the cast is so on point and so good and so experienced that it makes my job as a director easier, I guess. I don't remember if we said it during the casting process, but 90% of casting is, uh, or directing is casting. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you've got the right cast together, then, <laughs> then your job is that much easier and it's a huge difference. So that's what I figure is they just want to see what you can do with somebody who's kind of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Kind of a good idea. So when I applied to become a director at Village Players, I did the assistant directing. I did the one act. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking there was a third requirement, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Maybe it was just to be a member in good standing. I don't forget. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, theaters have that. And I think actually the theater where that director backed out, I think ended up instituting a requirement that they they be a member for a certain amount of time or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because I think this was somebody that had experience and I think had assistant directed there and then put into direct and got the show, but they weren't like super involved at this theater. So I think that's another issue is that I think theaters tend to pull from the same pool of directors a lot. I think, you know, occasionally they bring in new directors over time but they go back to that same well of like, you know, maybe 10 directors year after year. And, and I mean, Jeez, 10 sounds like a lot Yeah, maybe it <laughs> from is. my own experience. Maybe it is. And I think that's why, like, the majority of both of our experiences have been like with one or two theaters as far as directing goes. Yeah. Because once you get your foot in the door at one theater, 
they're going to be a lot more willing to go back to you because they know you can be relied on. <laughs> or they keep having to ask you because yeah, they may that. not have that many approved directors. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's in the time I've been an approved director at Hills Players, I think there have been periods of time where they may have only had a total of four or five approved, active approved directors. Yeah. I mean, so, you, you see these director lists that contain like, you know, 20 to 50 people, but there are these lists of people that have like, you know, moved away. Yeah. Gone or out they of theater, just don't, don't want to do it anymore. Exactly. And to when you have four or five and now you you're kind of relying on those people to do like one show a season each, yeah. it kind of stinks because then that ties them up and mm-hmm. say if they don't want to do any of the shows in a particular season. And yep. fortunately, that's not the case so much nowadays because they've actually just gone through and approved probably they've probably doubled the directing pool size yeah. in the last it's, year or it's two. good for theaters to have like a multiple to choose from. i mean I, from the standpoint of a director it's not necessarily as good because then you're up against more competition and less likely to get a show but i mean you have to want what's best for the theater yeah in fact their available pool has gotten up so high that this go around when uh, they were soliciting directors for their slate mm-hmm. They actually went to the level that they, I guess they had multiple people interested in several shows, and they actually went to a more formalized process where somebody had to submit a proposal. Right. Like, as far as their vision and that's That's not that a bad thing. Stuff. I mean, that's the kind of thing, you know, we've discussed that process in the past, and, and I've talked about Barley Sheaf, how you have to have a whole, you know, a written proposal, and you have to... Uh, present in front of the membership for that so. yeah I, I know other theaters that's more a matter of course mm-hmm. normally they yeah. expect that village players i guess didn't rely on going to that level of detail only because they had so few directors for a while probably that mm-hmm. you know hey you want to do it okay fine you got it yeah <laughs> I, I think that was the case when i got into king of prussia so easily i think that was because their director pool had gotten small particularly for non-musicals because king of prussia has never really been known for their non-musicals and I think for a number of years, when they were at uh, Shenandoah Performing Arts Center, I think they were doing only musicals there. I could be mistaken. Yeah, it but, seems yeah. to me like that's about all they do nowadays. But mm, well, they yeah. they are they're not in that location anymore. I'm not sure where they are now. So they're they, they're kind of entering a new phase right now. But that's beside the point. At any rate, uh, as a as a kind of a follow up to going through these hurdles, one of the last things that tends to happen is. Say, once you've met the assistant directing requirement, uh, directed your one act, this is a village players at least, mm-hmm. then kind of the final yay or nay comes from, at least the way they do it, the other approved directors kind of have to vote on you. Interesting. So, so is, that a, is that a small pool there? Do they, do they keep that trimmed? Because I know, like, at least for a number of years, I hadn't been uh, active at Forge, and I was still on their directors list. And every year, I would get their list of shows that they were selecting. They they stopped that recently, but I know that used to go out to like twenty, like I said, twenty to fifty people. Hmm. So I can't imagine that they're getting twenty to fifty people to vote on on whether to. Well, no, directors. this was a much smaller pool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's not a bad thing because I think that that Forge list. It seems like they must have trimmed it if I'm not getting it anymore because I'm still around and I right. was in a show there like three years yeah. ago. So I, I clearly have the ability to, re- to direct. I've, I've proven myself time and again at this point. So. Yeah, I've been asked to, if I've once I've seen somebody's one act, usually what they ask the directors, the approved directors to do is to show up at least at one or two rehearsals or mm-hmm. at least one rehearsal and then the final performance, something along those lines. And then they solicit your feedback as to praise, criticism, constructive right. criticism, uh, whether you think this person is suitable to direct. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't 
I, I think. Uh, so if you even if you put together the one act and perform it, it's no and it doesn't go off very well. Yeah. And none of the approved directors think you did a good job with it. That, that kind of makes anything. sense. I mean, there there should be. And like I said, back when I was trying to get approved at Forge, when I was turned down, I mean, I, th- I think I was bitter for a number of years after that. But, you know, in retrospect, looking at it, I was not ready. And that that experience with Hotline is really what pushed me over the edge and, and dealing with you and the other people <laughs> was uh, really what I was like, okay, now, now I'm ready. Now I have much more of an idea of what directing is really about. Mm-hmm. And I've learned... You know, every show I learned something new still. There are directors out there that are, I mean, community theaters that are trained in this and, and went to school and studied directing and things like that. I had some. I'm not one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not one of them either. I mean, I, I, I could, that's one of the reasons that I continue to learn. I had some experience in college with a, uh, a playwriting course, I think, that, that taught me some about directing. And I had, hmm, I can't even remember what the other course was. There was some course where I had to like, say how I would stage a particular production of something. And I don't remember the show either. I'm not remembering a lot in this episode. Lanford Wilson. <laughs> um, Who is Lanford yeah. Wilson? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that whatever the body is that's approving these directors would want to make sure that they have gone through this process and have some idea what they're doing and some capability of what they're doing. I think both Forge and Barley Sheaf uh, because I've been on those boards and I have a, a some sense of the inner workings there, it's the board that approves the directors. Okay. It's not. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of having it be a, a group of approved directors approving I, them. I think uh, from the example I said it, I think the board does have some input as well, sure. probably. But as far as really evaluating how good of a job you did, they I think they lean more towards the directors. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, a lot of the board directors. members happen to be directors. I uh, there's there's definitely some overlap. Not that necessarily. I've seen there. Well, there's overlap from from my experience at okay. least. There's there's been overlap. I mean, you know, I've been on boards and I direct and I know, I I, I don't think I'm trying to think it back to the most recent board that I served on. I don't think everybody on there was also a director, but I want to say the majority of the people that were on on the board were also directors okay that has not been my experience but hmm. well, so that's perhaps why they relied more on the approved directors yeah. to solicit feedback yeah in that case. i mean every theater operates a little differently yep so if you got through all that stuff and you got selected to be a director congratulations now you actually have to direct a show yes. for real we'll talk about that some uh next episode we'll, we'll really get into the nitty-gritty of of that uh we already talked in a prior episode if you go back to uh Episode two, that's uh, play selection part one. That's we talk about choosing a show. Yeah, because uh, once you once you become approved, it's not out of the question that as early as, say, the following season, whenever that is, you could have the opportunity to actually really direct a show. Yeah, it's pretty much once you're approved, that means they're probably looking for directors uh, at some point soon. So get your show ready and get out there. Either that or keep an eye out for what they're considering if that's depending on how their yeah, process works. The process. If it's uh, which we've also covered before. Yeah, we've already talked about yeah. that, but uh, that's definitely the good point, uh, good spot as a new director to to uh, put out feelers to find out what's being considered or what the group may be uh, open to right. producing. Or and I mean, obviously, if you've gone through this whole process to get approved, it means you're already interested in directing. So you should have probably been looking. Before that point, there might already be shows that you want to direct. I think that was my case is was already like, boy, there's all these shows I'm interested in that I want to see get done and I want to have something to do with them. 
So I think when I put into direct and started going through that process, it was because I wanted to direct and there were already shows that I was interested in. I don't know that I was in so much that boat. I mm-hmm. guess I was more worried about just get, becoming a director right. and, and figuring, oh, well, chances are, since the directors in this case weren't necessarily submitting all the plays, that there were the, the ideas for the plays were coming from elsewhere, that right. something would come up. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much the whole process about preparing to direct. I do want to take a moment here uh, as, as a side note. Uh, we do have episodes planned. Uh, we have probably by the time, not probably, definitely by the time you hear this, we've already got some more in the can. But if you are involved with a show or going to be involved with a show or involved with a theater, uh, we'd be interested in talking to you. Uh, you can uh, send us an email at podcast at backstage.link. He's got it. Wow, Podcast I remember. Backstage.link. It only took me eight episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let us know if you've got a show you're, you're interested in plugging or whatever. What we're planning to do for the future, we have like a bunch of episode ideas where we're going to continue just chatting with each other and chatting with you. Uh, but we but also, you'll get sick of hearing yeah, what we have to say after a while. Exactly. You'll get <laughs> sick of only us. So let us know and we'll come to you or have you come to us and we'll sit and talk about either your show or any topic you'd be interested in talking about, and we'll intersperse those episodes with our series that we've got going. <laughs> that almost sounded like an echo. Well, I, you're, you're responsible for the sound, so if there's an echo, it's not my fault. fault, fault. <laughs> so, yes, you can uh, visit our website at backstage.link. You can give us uh, an email either about the existing episodes or what you'd like to hear us cover or if you'd like to join us. On the mic, that's podcast at backstage.link. So this is a somewhat short one, but I think that's pretty much all we have to cover about uh, preparing to direct. Next week, we'll be talking about the process of putting the pieces together as a newly minted director, finding the crew, getting other people involved, and all that fun stuff to bringing your first production to life. Yep. So until then, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And you've been listening to The Backstage Show. See you next time. See you time. next time. starts out with you saying hi i'm glenn That's right. i'll just talk like this the whole time is that good no you don't have to talk like oh. that the whole time okay this got cut off so it says directing one acts or special shows holiday benefit original pie <laughs> <laughs> i've always wanted to direct an original pie it's one of the stupidest things i've said let's go back and start that little section <laughs> okay. over I'm a little slow on the uptake. We knew that. Next week, we'll be talking more about uh, putting the pieces director as a newly minted. Oh, boy, these outtakes are going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Plenty to wade through.